and welcome to this week's episode of Making It to the Mic, a podcast about how different voice actors got to where they are today. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and I'm so excited for this week's guest, Deborah Sperling. Deb is a seasoned pro who's been in the business for over 20 years doing commercials, promos, movie trailers, you name it. We talk about her work and the amazing class she teaches that's all about how to find your authentic voice, which, as you'll hear, is one of Deb's core values. So let's dive in. Here's my conversation with Deb Sperling. Hi, Deb. How are you tonight? Hey, Stephanie. How are you? I'm really good. I'm so glad that you're here. I know we had connected and you had been interested in being a guest when I was sort of on hiatus. And so I'm glad we're finally making this happen. Yeah, me too. It's so great to be here talking to you. So I'd love to start by asking you to tell us about your journey. How did you make it to the mic and what did you do before voiceover? Well, uh, I'm an actor and I feel like before voiceover, basically what I did is I was a student. So I started, uh, I went to the High School of Performing Arts here in New York City as a drama major, uh, LaGuardia High School. And then I went on to the University of Buffalo in New York, and I got a BA in theater. While I was there, I spent a semester abroad at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts studying. And then... um, I went and I got my master's degree at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. And while I was getting my master's, I also taught the undergraduate acting classes while I was also getting my master's degree, which was amazing. And then I came back to New York. And at that time, honestly, nobody really knew what a voiceover was. (laughs) I certainly didn't know what a voiceover was. Uh, My agent said to me, "Uh, you have a really interesting voice. I'd love to send you out on a voiceover audition. And I honestly was like, what exactly is that? He's like, they're going to give you a script. They're going to say, slate your name. I said, what's a slate? Right. (laughs) Uh, They're going to say, slate your name. And then they're going to give you the script and you're going to read it. And that's it. So I went and I went to the audition and then it was pretty cool. And I went to the second audition and I was really fortunate enough to book the second thing that I ever auditioned for. That's amazing. Yeah, it was it. I was so excited. I remember exactly where I was. I remember running to find my mother at a TJ Maxx somewhere to tell her that I booked a job. And uh, from that point, I, that's where I just absolutely started to fall in love with this craft. And that was 27 years ago. And from that point on, I've been really, really fortunate, very, very grateful. And uh, I've been able to spend my days doing what I love for all of this time and raise a family and, yeah, uh, a lot of gratitude. That's amazing. I love that. So did you, at the beginning of your career, since you kind of hit the ground running, did you take any classes or were you sort of just like, I have a natural knack for this and I'm just going to go, you know, just kind of go with it. Well, as I said, voiceover, like celebrities didn't do voiceovers then. No one, there there was a small group of people at that point doing most all of the work. And you needed to be in New York if you wanted to do commercials at that point because the internet wasn't really anything where you could record. And if you wanted to do animation or anything like that, you needed to be in Los Angeles. So, and there weren't, really, as far as I knew, any classes, I was taking my training as an actor and putting that forward in my reads. 
The amazing thing is that I believe because I booked the second thing that I auditioned for, it did just naturally give me a confidence to trust myself, which I think then in turn gave me a confidence to not feel like I had to push. And it made me very comfortable on the microphone being myself, which I do believe is the key to anyone's success in this business, which is feeling comfortable being real and being yourself on the microphone. So, yeah, I was so fortunate to have that happen. And I I do believe that that is where the confidence came from. Yeah, that's so interesting. That kind of early boost made you feel like, of course I can do this, where, you know, as somebody maybe who has been auditioning, taking classes and hasn't really booked anything, doesn't kind of get that little jolt right away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then maybe starts to doubt themselves or thinks, uh, I'm not enough. What do I have to do? How much should I push to get this job? There's, There's all of that. And what I tell my students all the time, too, is that the microphone picks up everything. You know, it picks up when you are feeling, I'm not enough, or I need this job, or I hate this script, or why am I not booking? But It's amazing because the microphone also picks up joy and it picks up gratitude and it picks up, I'm here giving a gift of me, which is unique and beautiful and captivating because every individual is unique and beautiful and captivating when they're being their real authentic selves because we're all different and we're all special. Mm -hmm. So it's... uh, yeah, I, I I love this. I think it's I think it's absolutely just amazing. I'm kind of in love with what I do. <laughs> I love that. I think you have to be. I mean, it's it's certainly a, a grind and it can be, you know, especially nowadays where you're not in person with people auditioning. You're just sort of sending things out into the ether and hoping for the best. Oh, a- absolutely. And and the other thing is you have to fall in love with the process. My life, yeah, I feel I'm so grateful that I have this wonderful, successful career, but I spend most of my time still doing auditions. And if I wasn't still in love with the process of auditioning, of being in the craft and the gratitude that I get to get on a mic to do an audition or just be here in my studio, that reads on the microphone. And also, if you're not in love with the process, what do you have? Right. Because at the end of the day, okay, say you have 10 spots running on network TV. Say you're the voice of three networks. Say you have five movie trailers going. Then what? Is that is that the end? Is it? It's not a, for me, it's not what's the end game? What's your goal? It's loving this craft. Because if it's some end goal, then what happens? You just stop? Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There, there's a love of absolutely getting to express yourself and dive into this craft in all areas of the craft and enjoy the process. I, I think about it the same way I think about your, your life. It's, it's the whole process of going through every day and trying to discover something, trying to give a piece of yourself, trying to connect, all of that. Yeah. It's not just about an endgame. It's got to be about the love of the process, I feel. So speaking of that, I would love to know what your practical process is for, 
you know, you get an audition from your agent, a commercial audition from your agent. What does Deb do next? Oh, well, what I actually do, the first thing I do is uh, now that we, it's very different. There, there are two different things. What I do now is very different than what I did when I was seeing three, four, five, six, up to 10 casting directors a day when we did not have the pandemic going on Mm -hmm. and we were in person and we had our wonderful casting directors to give us inspiration and and be there and, and just that energy, right, of having someone right there giving you direction or even someone listening to you just in the listening of you feel that energy changing. So now, being home in our home studios for everything, my very first take, before I even look at the script, I hit record. Because as far as I'm concerned, you have one chance, one chance to discover something for the first time. And I hit record, and I allow myself to discover the script without putting anything on top of it allowing myself to just be me right there in the moment. And here's the thing. Sometimes that's actually the winning take. And a lot of the times it's absolutely not. But I give myself that freedom right now because I don't have to hand it in. Right. But why not take advantage of that moment? Because even if you read the script to yourself first, You consciously or unconsciously start making decisions in your mind of how this voiceover is supposed to be. How am I supposed to do it right? And as far as I'm concerned, that cuts off all your real, creative, authentic impulses of who you are. And your brain takes over. So I allow myself that first take. And then I go into making choices that get me connected to who I'm speaking to and what I want to do with these words. That's what my process is. Oh, I love that. I think especially the scripts that are, uh, you know, conversational and they want, you know, it specifically says conversational, authentic, relatable. And sometimes that first take is the right one to send because you're right, because it does sound the most conversational because you're kind of stumbling and you're kind of reading and working it out as you go. And that sounds more real than take six when you're super polished and you, you know, you've read it six times already and you've kind of made those decisions like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I also I try really hard to make those decisions have nothing to do with the words in the script. And that's my I, I, I know that's a very uh, different approach than many people take. But my approach is what's most important is not acting the words. I never mark up a script. I've never marked up a script ever. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying for me, the thing that allows me to be in the moment and really talk is to actually really talk. So it is for me, it's about who's in front of me. What's the connection? Why am I using these words? What am I doing with the words to affect the person I'm speaking to? So it's not about acting the words. It's about using the words to act upon the person that you're speaking to. That's where my mind goes to, and I find it so wonderfully helpful now when we are alone in these studios. Honestly, that is how my class, Authenticity and VoiceOver, it's it's how it began and how it has grown through this pandemic is 
what do we do when we're alone and we don't have our wonderful casting directors? How do we get to a place where we just don't start listening to ourselves over and over and over again? Am I acting this right? Am I acting that right? And what, the person on the other end listens to 500 auditions that all sound exactly the same? Because people, in my opinion, are cutting off their impulses to allow their real selves to come through. And I believe that's where the gold is, because every single person is different. And if you get to that place, you're never competing with anyone else for a role, ever, no matter what the role is. You're only competing with yourself to be the most authentic you that you can be. Yeah, I love that. I took your class, I, I don't even, I think it was last fall, maybe, or even last summer. And it was so interesting because it was totally different than any other voiceover class I've ever done and was felt more like a, I, this is such a weird way to say it, but like a real acting class, quote unquote, rather than like a voiceover class. A- absolutely. It w- I mean, it, w- it was. We're voice actors. Right. Why is it any, why is it any different? A voice actor is an actor. We are revealing a piece of ourselves. And you have this opportunity to share a piece of yourself. Nobody else can do what you do. Just because of the nature and the fact that you are an individual your whole life. Everything that you've been through, everything you've gone through, all your scars, all of it. It makes up you, this beautiful, wonderful human being and that will never exist again in all of time. Mm, mm-hmm. And if you have all that, you have an opportunity to give that every time you hit record, which I find to be so much more beautiful and fascinating than how do I underline this word and stress this word in a script? So I'm, I'm so curious because I think what you said is so beautiful and it's true. It's like, I think we, especially now that we're in our little boxes by ourselves, we get so in our own heads of like, is, am I the person they want? Does this sound warm? Does warm mean deep? Does warm mean whatever? And, and I love that, you know, your authentic self is the thing that makes you you and makes you stand out. But I'm so curious then how you approach a script that is um, very salesy. Same exact way. Same exact way. If I have a secret that I am dying to tell you, Stephanie, that that is going to be me coming out with that energy. Mm-hmm. I believe there are ways to make choices that get you connected no matter what the script is. I mean, even promos. I was the voice of WeTV. I was the voice of the Oxygen Network. So even just doing something that's as technical as a tag to say, let's say there's one take in a technical way that is coming up next on WeTV, coming up Friday on WeTV, there's technical, right? What if it's technical and it's real? Coming up next on WeTV, coming up Friday on WeTV, because I'm actually speaking to somebody. <laughs> like, which would you rather hear? Right. You can still know technically what you're doing, but if you're actually really communicating and really talking as opposed to pretending to talk, for me, I find that just fascinating that people would rather pretend to talk than actually talk. I mean, you're a different person in your life with everyone you speak to. 
you're speaking to me differently right now than you speak to your kids, than you talk to your husband, than you talk to a doctor, than you speak to your mother, than you would speak to your great-grandmother if you had like two minutes to get to get in touch with her through wherever in time she is. Like, you have your whole imagination and all of your relationships. And we're different people depending upon who we're talking to and what we want in that moment. Of course, I don't mean different people. I just mean different sides of us encompass so much, so much. We have everything that we need authentically right inside of us if we stay out of our head. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. If you stay out of your head and you trust yourself— you can go anywhere you want on the microphone. I love that. So I would love to dive into your promo work because I feel like that's a genre that is sort of a mystery in in terms of people kind of just starting out in the business. Like you hear about commercials, audiobooks, animation, but promo is one that, you know, if you could just kind of explain, first of all, what is promo and, um, you know, some examples of it and then um, how you found your way into that genre. Yeah, Um well, promos are on any station that you listen to. It would be coming up next, like I said, coming up next on WeTV or This Friday. You won't believe what's happening or Shark Week coming up next. All, all of that. Every time you turn on the television, the station is promoting promo. The station is promoting their programs. What's coming up next? What you have to look forward to? Um... Many stations use different voices, male voices, female voices. Some stations will use one voice for the entire network, which is a dream job as far as I'm concerned. I was lucky enough to be that voice for two separate networks because I would go to work at 10 a.m. and from 10 to 12, I would be in a studio at WeTV or at the Oxygen Network and just have producer after producer hand me different scripts. And every script was different. Every script had a different energy because every show was different or um, anything that they were trying to promo was different. So it was just such a great way to uh, have all this diversity and all this fun doing so many different things in a short period of time. Lots of networks also take individual shows and get a voice for that particular show. Say it's a sexy show, like, I don't know, I don't even know if I'm going to make this up or it's a real show, like um, Naked in the Jungle Afraid. Like, I don't know, I mean, with these reality shows, <laughs> like, maybe they'll want, like, a sexy, alluring voice for that show. And maybe for the Shark Week, they want a man in his 60s that's, you know, so so a lot of networks... You hear when you listen to television, right? Some networks split things up. There are some networks that, that take one voice and they have that be the voice that represents the entire network. Um, how I got into it, once again, so grateful that I started when I did start because my promo manager in the voiceover department or my promo agent in the voiceover department just said, yeah, your energy is so... Something or other, I honestly don't remember. It was a very long time ago. But I think you have the right energy for promos. So once again, hearing that and someone telling you that, you get to walk into an audition feeling and knowing that you're right for this. I know right now with um, how expansive 
the voiceover world is, but also in many ways, that also leaves so many more opportunities out there on the table. I mean, there there weren't the voices of all these internet um, companies or, I mean, cable wasn't what it is now. Do you know how many stations there actually are, each having different shows, how many shows? There's so many more opportunities. But when I started, I was fortunate enough to have people that believed in me and sent me out into it. And I, I fell in love with it. I feel like I fell in love with all parts of this, except for audiobooks. I don't do audiobooks. Same. And I don't sing. There, there are some things I absolutely don't do and I would probably be horrible at. And that's the other thing, knowing, knowing yourselves, you know, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, knowing what gives you joy. Because if something gives you joy, reads on the microphone. If it's something that is not giving you any joy, honestly, I think that's reading on the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've said it on this podcast many times. I have not done an audiobook. I don't care to do an audiobook. I will not ever probably do an audiobook. It's just not, it does not, the thought of it even doesn't bring me joy, let alone the actual doing of it. <laughs> You totally sound like me. I've never even listened to an audiobook in my entire life. Same. Sorry, everyone who's an audiobook narrator listening. No, no, I think it's a I think it's an amazing, wonderful craft. And I'm I, I actually think the amount of time that it takes and the skill Same. that it takes, I am in awe of people that can do audiobooks. It's a lot, it's a lot of work. And I hats off to everyone doing audiobooks. It is not something for me. It does It does not bring me joy. The thought of it in no way brings me joy. <laughs> um, so with promos, are you sort of, back back when you were the voice of um, WeTV, were you sort of just on call all the time? Like, it's 8 o'clock at night and you need, you know... Oh, okay, great. Great question. So I was basically there from, like I said, like 10 a.m., to to noon every day Mm. and then I would come home and honestly I've had my studio for like 11 years my 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 studio isn't something that came to be because of the pandemic because with promos things happen so fast especially if there's news involved when things change I also did a bunch of promos for the Today Show and for Dateline uh, on NBC. So things things rapidly change so quickly. I mean, there was one time when I had to go into my basement and record something for NBC, and I came back up, and I think within 15 minutes, it was literally playing on my television. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's how fast that world can go. But like my Neumann um, 103, I have that mic only because, I mean, I love the mic, but I have that mic because that is the mic that they were using at WeTV. And I would come home, and if tags changed or something changed, yes, I would need to record at home that change and send it into them. And that, I mean, we're talking 10 years ago, 11 years ago. So it was, um, and and promos are, they're fast, they're quick. I, will, I do the PBS lineup now for Sunday night. And I, I'll get a call that's just, hey, PBS needs you in 15 minutes. Are you available? It, it, it is. It's just a very, are you available? I have friends that, that are the voice of 
networks where they do the news and they they promo everything, they are literally on call 24-7. <laughs> like, they something breaks, something happens, they need to be on their mic within like four minutes. It's so interesting because I, not because I was a promo voice, but I also had a home studio. I've had a home studio for a long time because when I started, it was just at that sort of turning point where classes I was taking were saying, oh, and you know, a home studio is probably a great thing to have. And, you know, if you if you have the means, you should get a home studio. And I that's great. Yeah. And um, this was around the same time, like 10 years ago. And it was I was very lucky because my husband is a sound engineer. So we were able to set that up. That's really great. <laughs> I know. I always give him credit because, you know, even today, this morning, I was like, Some, something sounds weird. Can you come up and listen? And, you know, I'm I'm very, very fortunate. But um, but I do feel like the promo talent was ahead of the game in that regard, too, because of the the nature of the beast of it, having a home studio, I mean. Absolutely. Right before the pandemic, I would say it started maybe three years before the pandemic and became more so and more so every month that I would get auditions that said, if you do not have a home studio, do not audition for this job. Which also made me very sad because I love my engineers and my recording studios, and they've been so wonderful and great. And I'm not an engineer, and and it's not like I got paid any more from being in my studio. And, I mean, that was fine. I was here. But more and more auditions were coming in even before the pandemic that said, do not audition unless you have a home studio. And at that point, I was one of the only and probably one of the only women just because promos were not or are not, I think, unfortunately, um, done by as many women as they are by men. Hmm. I mean, the funny thing is I, I lost my WeTV job to a man. <gasps> no. The voice of a woman's network. <laughs> but but then again, there's stuff I do for the Smithsonian Channel that's really, really sexy hmm. because it's and stuff about sports cars and whatever it is because they know maybe that's what men want to listen to. Interesting. So maybe they think women, women's network, they want to hear the voice of a man, whether that's right or wrong, you know. But but I had to reverse it in my brain and think about a lot of the jobs that I got that were geared toward men listening. That's a good way to think of it and not be really, really angry. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to because things come and things go and be grateful when they're when you have them. But at the same time, keep loving the process. Keep loving the process. So I also saw on your website that you've done some in-show narration. And I don't know that any of my other guests uh, have really done that. I think maybe Maria Pendolino, but I'm not sure that we talked about it. So, you know, what's that like? It's great. I mean, they're different, you know, they're different kinds. I've done things for investigation discovery where you're talking about a murder. <laughs> and then I've also done things for the e-channel that were one of my Kiggs was for Whose Wedding Is It Anyway was the show. And I was narrating this reality show. And I was narrating the horrors that were going on during someone's wedding. So uh, all different kinds of things. And I don't know that you could get even more opposite than two people in love and the craziness that's going on in their wedding. And 
She was just a little baby when she was taken from her home, right? So, uh, yeah. And, and once again, also, there's technique. And at the same time, it's putting yourself in that place. I'm always going to go back to that. Yes, there's technique. And yes, there's a difference in doing narration and doing promo and doing commercial. But I feel if you're just looking at it as a technical thing, that's not what gets you the job. It's not what translates to the people listening. I'm one of those people that truly believes that AI is no threat to my job. Hmm. Because AI doesn't have a soul. Right. And as much as you can create an AI that sounds exactly like me, an AI is not me because it doesn't have my life. And when someone is really communicating and something actually means something to them, that is not something you can program. So I'm curious how you handle a situation where you're you're in a session, it's a commercial session, and you know, you're you're bringing all of this joy and beauty and the way that you think about, um, you know, approaching these scripts. And then the director or, you know, whoever's in the session with you says, oh, actually, Deb, can you go up at the end of this word and down at the end of this word? Like, how do you kind of how are you able to marry the way that you approach copy versus the technical side of it that has to happen sometimes or that the, you know, the people in the session bring to you? Love it. Love that question. Um, So I think your audition is a job interview. I think what gets you the job is that real connection that they hear on the other end. I believe that's why you get the job. Once you give me the job, my job is to give you what you want. That is why you are paying me a lot of money. And I will even, I, I leave my ego at the door. There is no ego in this. So I will even say to a director or a producer, if you want to give me a line reading, give me a line reading. Their line reading is not at all what they actually want. It's how they hear it in their brain. But they don't have the capability to actually speak it or they would be doing what we do. (laughs) Right? Right. So I hear past the line reading into their intention of what I think they want. And if someone says to me, can you go down at the end, it's almost instinctual that I can make a choice that that's no problem. I can do that technically, but at the same time, instantly give myself a choice why that would be happening, why that's just a natural way that I would be speaking in that moment. I love, actually love it, because I feel like it's a big puzzle piece once you're in um, the actual booking. And I have, I mean, I'm the voice of Ibrance, which is a a breast cancer drug. And sometimes it's a lot, there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And sometimes it's a lot more than just the copywriter who has to cut copy, the producer, the creative director, the client. There's a legal team. And when you're doing pharmaceutical reads, there is a legal team there. And every word that you're saying has to be absolutely clear Everything has to go, every syllable is passed by so many attorneys. So there you are, and you have all of this legal copy talking about the most horrible side effects. How do you then get that across in a way that isn't horrifying? How do you get that across in a way that is, it's okay, I'm going to take care of you, and things are going to be okay? 
even when you're saying something like, in rare cases, death. Yeah, because I, I find that you're right. The audition is sometimes not related at all to what the actual job is going to be, but you have to find that conversational, relaxed, authentic connection to book it. But then sometimes you get in the session and they're like, can you be a little more announcery? And you're like, yes, that's not at all what this audition was, but sure. Right, right. Yeah, that happened to me with WeTV and also with the Oxygen Network. Both of those auditions were literally, they wanted as conversational as you could possibly be which is absolutely what got me the job. And my first day there, I had producers handing me scripts, and I did that conversational, off-the-cuff read that got me the job. And they're like, no, we need more energy, more this, more this. Nothing just laid back and conversational (laughs) about any of it. But once again, I'll say, your audition is a job interview. Do we want to work with this person? Because that comes across. And whether it's conscious or unconscious by the person listening— There is a part of them, my belief is, that is always thinking, is this a person I want to spend an hour and a half with? Whether it be in person in a studio or over Zoom or over Source Connect, is there something about this person that's giving off, I want to work with this creative person? Right, because... And I, I I find it so fascinating, especially the casting directors who I know listen to 500, 600 auditions. Like, how do they, you know, narrow it down and then say, this is the one, and then hope for the best in the session? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it is hard to, it's hard to imagine that they could listen to that audition and go, oh, okay, sure, she's probably going to be able to do, you know, whatever we ask of her. Uh, right. Absolutely. But I also think that's where reputation comes in as well. Because I think as you make your way in this business and people start working with you and engineers know you also, it's a place where they can go, oh, yeah, Jennifer, work with her all the time. She's amazing. She's a pro. She'll give you anything you want. You'll be out of here in 15 minutes. So it's your reputation. There are a lot of things that that, that make up your reputation. As I said, I've been doing this for 27 years. I've never in my life been late for an audition or a booking, ever. Never left a a booking without knowing the name of my engineer and thanking them for making me sound great. The names of all of my producers, the copywriter, everyone. Thanking them, having gratitude, showing up on time, having gratitude, doing your job, knowing how to... Give them your creative self and maybe even in within the booking, the confidence to say, hey, you know what? You made me think of something. Can I try another take just to see maybe this might hit you a different way? To have the confidence to add your own creativity, but not in a way that's saying, you guys don't know what you're talking about, but a way in saying, you just made me think of something from that direction. I'd love to do another take. I love that. What happens when you just you're having you're having a bad couple of weeks you're in your head you're in a booking rut you feel like nothing's coming in everything just feels a little off what do you do i think if you're feeling that way in an audition i think you really need to make some choices that get you out of your head sometimes you have to run around the block sometimes you have to call your best friend and <laughs> bitch about something and laugh and get yourself into a different place i mean for me 
when I hit record, it's this rare opportunity to give a piece of myself to I don't even know who's on the other end as a gift, which is a very different energetic feeling than who I'm communicating with in my regular everyday life. And that multiplied so much for me over the pandemic, because when you're in a space where you're used to every day just being with the same people over and over and over again, and some people were alone during the pandemic, I believe it was a real opportunity to reach out with love or whatever you're reaching out with to make a connection, which is also why I started teaching so much during the pandemic. And yes, it is more like an acting class. In my classes, it was so important for me to create a sacred space where people felt and still feel comfortable allowing their authentic selves with all their cracks and breaks to come through and realize that that's their gift. Being 100% themselves, that's their gift. And, and it was such a gift for me to have that, especially during the pandemic when everybody had a mask on and you didn't even have a chance to even see people's faces unless you lived with them. Zoom, Zoom saved so many people's lives, maybe even literally, to have that screen and to see six faces right there and have everybody actually really connecting and really allowing themselves to go to a place, whether it be the most joyful place or the saddest place, whatever the place was, it was their place inside of them that they were feeling free enough to share. Yeah. And I will definitely put in a link to the class and your website in the show notes so people can uh, can find it. Um, but I would love to kind of wrap up with any I know you've shared so many wonderful bits of information and <laughs> I can talk all day, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and motivations. But if you had one kind of last piece of advice to offer, you know, people who are just starting the business or people who've been in it a while and need a little refresher, what, what would you share? What I would share with people that are just starting is that feeling that you might have of, oh, God, I'm just starting. There's so many people out there that have been doing this for so long, and I'm, I'm, I just got a microphone, and oh. The actual wonderful thing in that is that if you come to this knowing that your authentic self has something different and beautiful and wonderful to give, you are so far ahead than someone who has such old habits to break. Because I will tell you, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, everybody wanted this announcer read, which was, let me underline this word and push that word and do this right. Nobody wants that right now. Everybody wants the real person. So the fact that you're just starting out is a gift. And don't let anybody tell you different. And also, don't let anybody pigeonhole you. Don't let anybody tell you this is what your voice is good for. I hear you, whoever the, this person is saying this. I've never in my life told anyone, this is what you're meant to do. You have a voice that's more suited for commercials. You have a voice that's more suited for promos. You, you know what? I don't think it has anything to do with your actual voice. I think it has to do with your choices and what you're giving of yourself. And no one has the right to take away from you everything out there 
that encompasses voiceover, everything that you can take advantage of and everything that you can give behind the microphone in any genre that you want. I do movie trailers. People told me women can't do movie trailers. Sorry. Don't let anyone pigeonhole you. You can do anything you want. I love that. Well, Deb, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for for sharing your authentic self with us. Thank you so much for for having me on. This has just been wonderful. I just know I'm smiling from ear to ear. So thank you for letting me share. I love how Deb is so full of motivation and heart, and you can really hear how much she loves this career and how passionate she is about helping others find their authentic voice. My biggest takeaway is when you are authentically you, you aren't actually competing against anyone because you are the only you. And she's right. What a great mindset to help you feel confident when you step in front of the mic. If you'd like to learn more about Deb and her class, I'm linking her website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, makingittothemic.com. Please make sure you follow and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening. And here's a little preview of next week's episode. So when I get a script that I feel like is so solid and like so up my alley and like I got this in the bag, I try to flush that out of my head as fast as possible and just go in and and have fun with it. That's next time on Making It to the Mic.